Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. But let's read Genesis 50 together. I want to focus on one bit in particular. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When the message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. How? How did Joseph get to this place? How? We, um, we, we heard, didn't we, in the powerhouse story about the beginning of it, and they put it quite mildly. Um, those brothers that stood before Joseph, those brothers were the ones who, for his teenage years, bullied him, abused him. And actually, and then they uh, not only bully and abuse him, they beat him, sell him into slavery, and essentially leave him for dead in this pit. That action causes him to end up as a slave and part of his household. And although he does everything right, he still somehow gets accused of something he never did um, by Potiphar's wife. Then that leads him to jail, where he, he still continues to do everything right. Um, but he gets forgotten and betrayed by friends who make promises to them. And only do they remember their promises to Joseph when they need him. These brothers are the reason, the cause, the start of a life full of pain, suffering and disappointment. And he stands before them and forgives them. How? How? How on earth is he able to say what you meant for evil God used for good. How did he get to that place? Really simply, um, and I'm going to unpack this a little bit more, um, but I think Joseph becomes a reflection of our Father in heaven, of God the Father. And what I think Joseph does in this story, in this narrative, is he mirrors what the Father does to us. You see, Joseph knows who God is, and out of the overflow of knowing God, is able to forgive by seeing things from God's perspective. You see, Joseph had every right to be angry. He had very, do you know what, very little, if at all, to do with his own suffering. Everything that we see happens to him, happens at the hands of other people. And yet, he lets it all go to forgive. And I wonder how many of us could get to that place in our own life. Um, I so often hear people when they're going through the midst of pain and suffering, I get these questions, which is how could God let that happen? What did I do to deserve this? And this just isn't fair. They're all right questions. They're all ones I've asked many a time. 
But I want to read you this quote from one of my favourite people ever, Mags Duggan. She, she wrote this book and she says, uh, in reading the experiences of men and women of faith and in reflecting on my own journey, it is clear that the reality of our lives bear witness to the truth, that the path of our faith lives is as contoured as the landscape around us. And this is normal, it is human, it is biblical. You see, we often have the wrong perspective. We see solely things from our own eyes. But Joseph, at the end of his life, rather than look at his brother through his own eyes and his own experiences, he sees things from God's perspective. Behind all the events and human plans recounted in the story of Joseph lies this unchanging plan of God. It's the same plan introduced from the very beginning of the book where God looks out at what he's created and says it is good. God continues to bring about his good plan. He remains faithful to his purposes. And it's the point of this narrative to show that his people can continue to trust him. No matter what may come, we can trust God and trust his goodness. You see, um, I've used this quote before, it's just one of my favourites. It's on my whiteboard at the moment, actually. It says, uh, um, which is how you know I really like a quote, um, is when we know the nature of God, we do not question his motives. And you know, I want to live my life not questioning the motives of God because I so know his nature. We read about God's nature in Psalm 34. I'm going to read this from the Passion Translation says this, yet when holy lovers of God cry out to him with all their hearts, the Lord will hear them and come to rescue them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to all whose hearts are crushed by pain and he is always ready to restore the repentant one. Even when bad things happen to the good and godly ones, the Lord will save them and not let them be defeated by what they face. God will be your bodyguard to protect you when trouble is near. Not one bone will be broken. This is who our God is. A God who comforts, a God who is close. That is his nature. It doesn't change. It never fails. How then do we get to that place, that perspective? Because I'm going to be honest with you, that's, that's, that's a hard journey to walk sometimes. But I want to suggest this morning two ways, which is to wrestle and then to walk closely. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what your circumstances are at the moment. Maybe uh, you're having the best time at the moment um, and everything's all going swimmingly. Maybe you're really anxious about all that's going on in the world right now. Or maybe just in the midst of your personal life, things are going crazy. But I think these are lessons to learn whether you're in the good place or the bad place. So that whenever, whatever happens, whatever comes, because we do know that life throws things at us, that we will continue to walk closely and know God's nature. One of my favourite uh, stories in the Bible, and actually one that really illustrates this wrestling and this walking really well, is actually from Joseph's father, Jacob. He wrestles with God and then walks differently. And so we're going to read that story in Genesis 32, verse 22. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. 
and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could no longer overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it's because I saw God face to face and my life was spared. The sun rose above him. And as he asked Peniel, as he passed Peniel, he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Um, I, I like including like the, the final little detail. I love the detail in the Bible. Um, just think something to, to note here is Genesis is a narrative driven uh, text. Um, the, I, I think you know this. The, the Bible is essentially like a library of different books, all with kind of different genres and purposes. And Genesis is this narrative driven. It's a storytelling um, it, it, when it was before even it was written down, it would have been told around um, verbally around campfires and all of those kind of things. It's a story narrative driven book. And so what happens at this moment in this, this part of the story is that that this conflict is of Jacob's life, that this guy who's constantly struggled with everything is brought to a head um, in a battling and a grappling of a lifetime. And Jacob's desperate embrace vividly expresses his ambivalent attitude to, to God of love and enmity. I can't say that word. I like when I write down words that I can't say. Very clever, Amy. But defiance and dependence. It was against God, not Esau or Laban, that he'd been pitting his strength. And so what happens is they, they get locked in this battle. A guy who's been struggling for so long. In fact, um, Hosea 12 he um, describes it really well. It says, in the womb, he grasped his brother's heel as a man who struggled with God. He struggled with the angel and he overcame him. He wept and begged for his favor. He found him at Bethel and talked with him there. You see what Jacob is doing and the lesson we can learn is that he is bringing his struggle to God and finally surrendering. He'd struggled his entire life, tried to get things that he wanted his entire life. But it's with his wrestling with God, it's when he wrestles God that Jacob begins a new stage of his life. He was a new man because he now began to relate to God in a new way for him. As a sign of this, God gives him a new name, indicating his new relationship to God. Israel, meaning God's warrior. It was in the wrestling that Jacob was changed. And from that moment that he walked differently. And it is such a good picture for us. He walks differently with a new name because he was marked by the struggle and it changed his posture towards God, towards life. You see, wrestling is intimate and it's close contact. It is messy and dirty and it's what God wants to do with us. You know, I think it pains God greatly that we don't come to him in the midst of our pain and our struggling. I think somehow we've um, brought into a lie uh, that, that tells us that, that we almost need to keep those things away from God because how can we bring the worst parts of us maybe, the uh, pain, struggling brings out the, 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 the worst parts of us, doesn't it? But you know, God wants all of us, not some of us. And I think it pains him when we don't bring all of us to him 
even if it's uncomfortable. Um, one of the, uh, an illustration I want to tell you, it's a, a story that one of my lecturers told me at college. Um, was he was telling the story, he was with a group of uh, international people who's a missionary abroad, and so he was trying to explain some sort of funny English terms, things that he did in the playground, one of which was this thing called pantsing, which is a horrible thing to do, and I will explain it for you, which is where you, um, in the playground, you'd run around and then you'd pull down somebody's trousers and then run away. It's not a good game, but it's a game that uh, him and his mates used to play in college, in college, in school, sorry. Um, and so, because he's with a, a bunch of international people and the language barrier is a little bit uh, not, not going well, he decides to act it out for them to really um, explain it. And so his, his very young son's there and he pulls down his son's trousers in front of him, uh, in front of this group of people, and his son is livid, like just absolutely livid, angry, embarrassed, frustrated, angry at his dad. But he runs to his dad buries his head in the leg, crying and beating it. And I think that's a picture of what God wants from us. That even in the midst of our pain and our struggle, that we would run to him, angry, upset, annoyed at him, even if we are, because it's in the closeness that something can happen. It was when his son rang to his leg that he could pick him up and comfort him. God wants us to bring our fight to him, not because we will win, but because he wants to do something in the wrestling. It's in that place, in the struggle, that God wants to meet us and change us. Uh, I don't know if you've ever wrestled with God. I'm not suggesting that you've had quite an experience like Jacob has, but I know that I've wrestled with God many a time and I've been changed every time. I actually want to tell you about the first time that I really wrestled with God, because it was a, kind of a breakthrough moment for me. Um, I lost my dad when I was 14, he died. It was very sudden, very tragic. Uh, he uh, got diagnosed with cancer and was given six months to live, very unexpectedly. He died three weeks uh, after that point. And there was a whole set of circumstances that were going on around the family that meant that I didn't grieve. Um, and so, Three years later, when I was 17, I'd actually left home by that point and uh, the grief had started to kick in and I was angry. I was, I was angry at God. How, how could he? How could he take my dad, my comfort, my safety net away from me? How? That's not fair. He didn't deserve it. It's not okay. Some of the questions that come up, right? And so what happened was... Uh, as the grief kind of took, took place, I started to wake up in the middle of the night with these feelings and crying um, at God, not out to him for him to comfort me. I would wake up in the middle of the night and scream, I want my dad back, I want my dad back, I want my dad back. I was angry. And I'm, uh, you'll, you will be uh, not surprised to know that I didn't win that fight. Um, that would be miraculous and probably actually quite scary, but I didn't win. But what happened in that battle, what happened in that thing was that I allowed the pain, the hurt inside to come close enough to God that he could comfort it, he could deal with it. Because although I didn't win, I was changed. And actually, do you know, I can say now at um, 28, uh, 14 years later after my dad died, actually, I've now lived, it's a weird one, I've lived longer without my dad than with my dad. But I can see 
things from God's perspective. It took a really long time to get there. And I can say very happily what I think the world meant for evil, God has used for good. I've been shaped, but it happened in the wrestling. In the wrestling, in the struggle, we are changed. We get close, he comforts, and he shows us his nature. I want to read you this quote by Tim Keller. Suffering can refine us rather than destroy us because God himself walks with us in the fire. In Daniel 3, we have probably one of the most vivid depictions of suffering. Um, You will know the story. I know I'm throwing a lot of Bible verses at you today. I hope you can follow along with me. But uh, So I'm not going to read this, but I'm just going to recap the story where Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego... Uh, they get thrown into this furnace because they will not bow down to the king. And this is a furnace that is so hot that as they're being thrown in, the people throwing them in are dying. It is a furnace that is meant to kill. But yet, when they get thrown into this fiery furnace, this mysterious figure appears beside them and they walk through the furnace and are not consumed. We know now that we, or or scholars say that 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 was Jesus stood next to next to them and it shows so clearly the concept of God walking with us through pain you see in Jesus we see that God actually experiences the pain of the fire as we do he is truly Emmanuel God with us both in love and understanding and in our pain and our anguish the quote continues from Keller that he plunged himself into our furnace so that when we find ourselves in the fire, we can turn to him and know we will not be consumed, but will be made into people great and beautiful. Psalm 23 in the Passion Translation says this, it says, Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of the deepest darkness, fear never conquer me, for you already have. You will remain close to me and lead me through it all the way he walks with us in the pain he walks with us through the valley he walks with us through the fire if you will let him i believe there's an invitation and an opportunity to wrestle with god intimately and to walk with him closely through everything through the good times and the bad but i'm focusing on the bad today because i think sometimes it's where we can trip up I also want to tell you this, is that it will not always be like this. It won't. We get this promise, don't we? Revelation 21 says this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Um, I'm actually just going to read, I forgot to give this bit in, but I'm going to read a bit further on. It says that he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he says, write down these words, for they are trustworthy and true. Our God is trustworthy and true. And at the end of his life, Joseph looked back and said, what you meant for evil, God used for good, because he is trustworthy and true. And there's an invitation to find that place, not just at the end of our life, but in the midst. Oh, that we too would be people that would offer the same grace, kindness and forgiveness that Joseph was able to offer his brothers. And as we, um, as we think about that, I actually think that that's probably one of the greatest um, segues into communion.
We're going to share communion together because we love first because God first loved us. And we forgive because God first forgave us. You know, Joseph stood in front of his brothers. And actually, the brothers stood in front of Joseph as sinners and as people who did harm and hurt him. And we stand in front of God as sinners and people who've done harm and hurt our God. But Joseph welcomes his brothers as family and God welcomes us as family, always forgiving us. We stand before him as sinners and welcomed as family. So if you've got something in front of you, Steph, why don't you come join me? Um, I have pre-prepared this um, so that I will not give Steph the bread and stuff like that for COVID reasons, but we will both partake together. So let's get do this. Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the body together. he took the cup saying this is my blood shed for you do this in remembrance of me Jesus bore the ultimate pain so that we would bear the ultimate forgiveness he doesn't want us to suffer. He doesn't want us to experience pain. And actually, he died for us that we wouldn't have to. And so if, if I'm just going to say before Steph comes to pray for us to finish, um, if anything, if you're going through something right now, there is um, a, a, a prayer ministry after the service. The Zoom ID is going to come on the screen right now. Um, there will be people there who, who will pray with you and pray with you through that fire, through that furnace. But just reach out, reach out. You know, God, God will walk with you through all these things. So Steph, why don't you come pray to close? Thanks, Amy. Brilliant word. Excuse the uh, professorial glasses. Uh, just the key takeaway for, from that for me was don't be afraid to wrestle with God. Because in doing so, you turn from being a Jacob to an Israel and Jacob means to follow to be behind but also to supplant circumvent assail overreach uh, whereas Israel means wrestles with God but also triumphant with God you know the bit I love most about powerhouse apart from the great stories and the brilliant presentation is the message at the end Jesus loves you you know I want you to take away from today, Jesus loves you. I'm going to close with the ironic blessing that you can find in Numbers 6, 24 to 27. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And there's a bit at the end that's often missed out, but I want to kind of uh, read that as well because I think it's important. 
In so doing, they will place my name on the people of Israel. Just remember, guys, we are, through Christ, the people of Israel. And this is God speaking. I will confirm it by blessing them. Be blessed. Have a great week. Thank you.